Cool. So um, last week I started, we did a message um, called Wholehearted, which was about this idea of um, God is, is fully in and wholehearted towards us and gives himself to us, and he calls us to be wholehearted as well. And we kind of, there's a good feeling in, in giving your heart and your life to something and being engaged, but it can be hard to sustain. And we sort of said last week, sometimes we can be wholehearted about God and, and about what he's called us to for a bit, but then we sort of get to a place where we're like, oh, I'm ready for a break, and we kind of tap out for a bit and, and step back. And, and rest is important, and, and taking some time off is important, but you can still do that with a heart that's engaged, not a heart that kind of withdraws. And we sort of looked at some ways to stay engaged and wholehearted with God. So kind of taking the same idea and applying it to the idea of being generous. Because even as we just took communion before and, and recognized the generosity of God and how generous he is to us in giving his son. And he gives us every day as a gift from him. And he gives us life and he gives us his creation. And, and he's this generous God. That, and we just get to receive it. But at the same time, he wants us to grow to be like him and to reflect his generosity to him and to, to each other. And again, we might say, yeah, that sounds great. Like, I love being generous and I'll do that for a little bit. But then after a while, actually, no, I kind of want my stuff now. Or I'm going to sort of just keep some stuff to myself for a while. Like we might just give a bit, or we might sort of, whether it's money or whether it's time or whether it's possessions, we might have a bit. And then if we've got some leftovers, yeah, generous, being generous is good. Rather than having a whole heart, actually, let's sustain being generous like God and a God-sized generosity. So what I want to do is, is look through today a passage in Luke um, it's towards the end of chapter 12. And it's about Jesus talking about wealth, and it's in the context of money. But it's also related to generosity. And he's going to sort of talk about some things that actually block us, that might cause us to step back and actually say, yeah, maybe we've been generous for a while, but actually we need to pull back on that and just look after ourselves and actually not have a heart that's engaged in being generous. So we're going to look at what he says as kind of some pointers. How do we sustain that sort of heart, a heart that keeps giving? that keeps serving, that keeps loving, that keeps sharing, that doesn't say, I'll share for a bit and then I'll pull back. So Jesus starts talking, and it's interesting because he starts talking about worry. He says this, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. So this is really interesting because Jesus is talking to people who probably should be worried about food and clothes in some ways. Like, we don't tend to really worry about that for the most part. Right? We tend to have maybe worry about what type of clothes we have, or what type of food we eat, or what type of house we have. Most, pretty much most people in Australia will have the bare essentials. There's people in the world that don't. And Jesus is speaking to people who maybe don't. Like, they're actually at risk of not having enough food, not having enough clothes. But he says, don't worry about that. He says, life is more than that, the food and clothes. And if that's true, then it's definitely more than the fancy clothes and the fancy houses and the fancy food. It's definitely, life is more than that, is what he says. Now, Jesus is talking about generosity and he's talking about wealth and he's talking about worry. He's talking about these big things. And then he does this thing that only he does is then he just starts talking about birds. And it's like, what is that related? He says this, consider the ravens. Or like the crows, some translations say. Just think about the birds for a bit. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. He's saying um, birds don't have a bank account. 
They don't have a pantry. They don't have a kitchen, but God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Now, this is, this is really interesting. Because Jesus is talking about generosity and wealth and worry, and then he starts talking about birds. He says, actually, just go look at them. And if you look at them, they go about this world and they find food without having to store it, without being worried about it. They still have to work. It doesn't just fall into their mouth. But they have to go and look for it and then get it. But they don't have to worry about it. God provides them. And the interesting thing is he, he says ravens or crows. And these are unclean birds in, in the Old Testament. So these are birds that nobody likes. These are ibises like, <laughs> that, that go through the dump bins at Lilybrook and Kalinga. Like, like these are the birds that people don't care about. And Jesus is saying, well, God feeds them. He, he provides for them. He looks after them, even if it's like dump rubbish or something like that's what they want. Like, so he, he, he gives them the food. And, and you might sort of think, well, no, nah, that's just crazy. That's, that's not right. Like, the birds just eat food from the trees. That's just nature. That's just habitats. Like, I understand science and the material world. That's just how it works. Like, it's not God feeding the birds. That's just how nature works. And that's how we might kind of think. That's probably how we're taught to think. But it's interesting that that's not how Jesus thinks. And it's not that Jesus is against science. Jesus is the smartest person ever. Jesus understands science better than anybody. Yet he doesn't see the world as this just sort of set up system where things just work by themselves. He sees the world that actually, yeah, there's all the habitat, there's all nature, there's all the things that we can study in science involved in that. And that actually while the birds are being fed, God is involved. He's actually caring. He's actually looking after them. He actually is, is um, providing for them. God is intimately involved and active in the world. So he keeps going. He's talked about birds, and he starts talking about flowers. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. So he's saying God clothes flowers. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Again, we might sort of say, no, just flowers, that's what they look like. That's, that's just biology. Like, that's just nature. And yes, that's true. But in Jesus' view of the world, there's a creator God who's intimately involved in nature, and he actually cares for the flowers and clothes them with beauty, even though they last a couple of days. He cares. He's involved. He's not this God that just leaves everything and then he's off away from the place. He's actually intimately involved in the creation, even with flowers. And his point, Jesus' point is, if God's like that with flowers, if God's like that with birds, with ibises, like the birds nobody likes, God cares, how much more will he care for us? How much more will he look after us? How much more is he intimately involved in our lives, making sure we have enough. And then he says, are you of little faith? And Jesus really gets to the issue around worry, particularly worry about material things and whether we'll have enough stuff. There's actually not a faith position where we actually believe that this God is real and true and active. And the first way to actually stay in this posture of generosity is to trust God, is to believe that this God that Jesus believed in and followed is actually real. 
to trust in our Father's care and provision, that we actually have a Father who cares and who provides. And again, Jesus is saying this to people who are at risk of not having enough. And he's saying, don't worry. Trust the Father. He knows, he cares, and he'll provide. I read this quote this week. that said, greed can never get enough. Worry is afraid it may not have enough. So we might feel a sense of greed sometimes, like we just want more and more and more and more. That's sort of one desire. But another desire may be, well, we're afraid. What's going to happen if we don't get more stuff? What's going to happen if I don't have enough money? Or what's, what's going to happen if I don't store it up? And, and we kind of can freak out that we're not going to have enough. And it's crazy that even in our sort of culture where for, for the most part there is just an abundance, particularly of food, like there, there is more than enough here, yet it's still easy to freak out that there's not going to be enough. Like it's still easy as soon as there's like a slight problem or like a, a disaster or something like that, everyone just rushes to the shops and just buys everything. And like, like it's just you store, pack it away. Like because you freak out. What if there's not enough? And, and even when there is enough, even when there's heaps, more than enough, you can still be worried that there's not. But if we can trust that actually we have a father that cares and provides, we still have to work. We still have to be wise. It just doesn't mean just sit back and God will just feed us miraculously. Like that's not what it means. But it means there's no need to worry. There's no need to be anxious. We can actually trust him. And again, you might be thinking about this and you're like, yeah, that really sounds good, but I saw a dead ibis on the way here. <laughs> or uh, what about the flower that just was destroyed? Or, or what about the people in the world that don't seem to have enough? And, and how, how does this work for that? And yes, they're all valid questions. And I, I, it was really interesting. I was listening to a, a Bible Project podcast, and they, they were doing some stuff on generosity, and they were talking about that. And, and they read through these verses, and that's where they kind of went straight away. They were like, yeah, but what about the dead bird? Like, what about the people who don't have enough? What about all these things? And they were kind of thinking, and they were saying, well, what? What would Jesus say if we said that to him? If you were there and you said to Jesus, well, yeah, Jesus, but what about all this stuff? Their, their kind of theory was Jesus would say, well, yeah, but did you actually listen to what I said? Like, did you actually hear the point that I was making? Like, there, there are some exceptions maybe, or there may be, a, this is not like a perfect rule, but the point is that we have a father that cares and provides and that we don't need to worry, that we have a father we can trust. That that's the point that he's making. And, and there's sort of other things to sort of work through with some of the difficulties around that. But we can actually rest and trust in him to provide. So Jesus keeps going from that first step. If we can trust him, we can be generous. And he says this, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. So again, this is an issue of the heart. It's easy, again, especially if we're not sure we're going to get by, it's easy just to, life is consumed with that. Maybe for us though, Maybe it's not, I'm worried I'm not going to have enough food or clothes. It's worried I'm not going to have the best clothes or the nicest food. Or I'm not going to have the stuff that I want or the, the best phone that I can get. Or like whatever it is that we want, we might be worried and set our heart on things that are just possessions or material goods. He says the pagan world, it's like all the people that don't know the true God, they run after all such things. They set their hearts on them. He says, your father knows that you need them. Talking about just basics of life. We need food, we need clothes. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. 
Jesus is calling us, he's calling these people that he's talking to, to a different focus, to a shifting. That it's easy to focus on just what do we need to get by? What do we need to survive? It's easy to focus on material things. How do we get enough? Are we going to have enough? And Jesus says, actually, don't set your heart on that. Don't focus on that. Instead, focus on the kingdom, which means focus on what God is doing in the world and which can be summarized in some ways as heaven coming to earth. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That the whole goal is that one day heaven and earth will be reunited. God, God's presence will be all over the earth. People will live in perfect justice and beauty and truth. Jesus is Lord over all. That, that's where everything's heading. And Jesus, and Jesus is saying, focus on that. Focus on that in our relationships with God and relationships with others. And invest that way. This guy, Tom Wright, says it this way. This is what you should search for. Don't, don't be searching lots and lots for just food and, and clothes or possessions or items. Instead, search for God's kingdom. Seek that. Let that be the focus. And then the rest will be given to you as well. You imagine these people Jesus is talking to. They're thinking, hang on, if we don't focus on making sure we have enough, we're not going to have enough. And Jesus says, no, focus on my kingdom. Focus on what God is doing in the world, and he will make sure you have enough. He will provide. There's this, there's this shift, and it kind of is kind of upside down. Like we kind of tend to think the thing to do is make sure you have enough, and then if you have a bit left over, maybe we give that to God or we give that to others or, or we sort of serve. And if we make sure, look after us, and then we might help others. And there's wisdom in that. There's, there's some truth in that. But Jesus in some ways is saying, no, make the first priority my kingdom. Make the first priority what I'm doing. Be on board with that, and I'll make sure you have enough. You see the difference? It's not, I'll look after myself first and then God. It's, it's God first, and God will look after us. It's, it's, a, it's a shift in focus and priority. But again, this, is, this can be difficult. This can be difficult to, to um, do in our, in our lives. And all the stuff that we talk about here is all about growing and, 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 and growing in it. But we all have weaknesses in it. And me particularly, particularly with this even just this week, I had an experience this week where I was working here in the office and I was sitting outside in the undercover area and it was, they'd just been busy and I just finally had some time just to be quiet and just to rest and to focus and I had a lot of stuff that I needed to get done and the phone rang. And we, on Thursdays down here at the, in the youth hall, we do like a food distribution um, thing. So it's packed out. There's heaps of people here Thursday mornings People who come in for a free food hamper, people who need food, um, and, and they pretty much all go. And this was Thursday afternoon, so the food hampers have all gone. It's Thursday afternoon, and the phone rings. And I'm kind of wanting just to get my stuff done. I'm not sure I'm going to get everything done. So I'm already kind of annoyed that the phone rung. And I go to the phone, and on the phone is someone who's just heard about the food hampers, and it's Thursday afternoon, so they're all gone. And this happens pretty often, that people will call up afterwards and normally there's like some dry food in a store and what we do is normally go down and just sort of pack together some dry food and, and get stuff together and just give them what we can. And I was kind of ready to do that, but I kind of just said to this guy on the phone like, um, oh, well, the food hampers are on Thursday mornings and, and they'll be on again next week and if you come next week, you can get this big thing. And I was kind of like, if you're really desperate, like I could put together a food pack for you and, and, and help you. I'm like really hoping that he doesn't say yes. And, and I just want to get on with my stuff. I've got all this stuff to do. And then the guy just says, oh, okay, well, I don't want to bother anyone. I'll, I'll come back next week. 
And I go back and sit down outside, and this car that was in the car park, that was turned on the whole time, then just drives away. And I'm pretty sure the guy was just sitting in the car park, called the office to ask about it, and then he probably saw me just go and sit down, looks like I'm doing nothing, <laughs> and, and then drives away. And like literally, he was right there. All I had to do was go down, pack a few things together, and he could have had some food. And, and I, I felt terrible. I was just, that wasn't generous. Like, I'm just worried about not having enough time to get, get my stuff done. And this guy was right here. I could have given him food, and now he's gone. And I missed it. And, and it was interesting, because I was just sitting there and just sort of praying through that and just feeling bad about that. And then this lady walked in who just walked up, and she was also after food. And then I was, like, ready to help. <laughs> and I was, like, in the right position and able to give her some help for, for a little while. But this is hard. It's, it's easy just to start thinking, like, actually, no, I just need to get my stuff done, and then I'll help. Rather than, actually, God, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I just want to be on board with what you're doing. And I trust that you will provide what I need. You, you're faithful and you, you will look after it. So it's a shift in, in focus. Jesus then keeps going in the last few verses. He says, do not be afraid, little flock. So Jesus is talking to these people. You can see he cares for them. They're his flock. He says, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. This is crazy, right? These people, mostly poor, small group of people, probably don't look very important. And Jesus says, your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Another translation says, he's delighted to give you the kingdom. So because of all these things, then he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Jesus has talked about not worrying, trusting God. Focusing on his kingdom. And from there, he says, now be generous. Even sell things in order to be generous. And he's actually saying that this is the, the best thing you can do because it lasts forever. He says, actually then give generously. And by giving generously, you're actually making eternal investments. Like when we think about giving, often we think, okay, I have money, I give it away, and it's gone. Like, here's my treasure, that's less treasure. Like, that's what it feels like. Jesus is saying the opposite. If you give into his kingdom and what he's doing, if you invest, whether that's time, whether that's money, whether that's energy, whether it's skills, whatever it is, it's, it's an investment. You're actually creating treasure that never fails and never ends that his kingdom will last forever, and the things we give into it last forever. This is, this is amazing. This is how the message translates this. Be generous, give to the poor, get yourself a bank that can't go bankrupt, a bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. So he's saying, where's our treasure? It's easy to think treasure's on earth. I need a good job with money, and then I can get the stuff that I want, the cars that I want, the phones that I want. Then I'll have this awesome life. And Jesus is saying, well, maybe for a bit, and then it's gone. It doesn't last. It fades. It fails. People can steal it. You can die. Um, it can break. There are so many things that could go wrong. Whereas he says, if you take that, energy, take that time, take whatever we have, 
and invests it into the kingdom. And it creates relationships that lead to people knowing God, that lead to justice and beauty and truth and things that will last forever. And then your heart is drawn to that. Your heart is not here in this stuff, but in what God's doing. And your treasure is in what God's doing. And no one can ever touch that. And no one can ever steal that. And it never, ever ends and never, ever fails. That's what Jesus is calling us to. These kind of eternal investments of generosity, which is, is amazing. And actually where we give shapes our heart and is, is where we end up having our treasure. And again, this isn't saying like that, that you have to give to a certain thing or it's not saying we just quit our jobs and just, just go do um, like work for a church or something like that. All of this is in the context of life, in the, seeing the kingdom come in your workplace, in your school, in your family, wherever it is. But there can be a heart of generosity there. And then maybe it involves giving to other things and other things God's doing and things he's put on your heart as well. So saying, how do we sustain this generosity? How do we have a heart that's engaged and generous? Jesus is saying we have to trust in our Father's care and provision. Actually see the world the way Jesus sees it, not the way that our culture sees it. See the world just immersed in God's presence and love and care. And we can actually trust him. He's actually reliable. Focus on his kingdom. Make the priority what he's doing. Not, not just getting enough or making sure we have enough or, or sort of making sure we're ready for the future, but focus first on he, what he's doing and he will add what we need. And from that place, give generously, making eternal investments, placing treasure in heaven. So whatever season we are in, we can live generously, trusting his care, focus on his kingdom, building treasure that lasts. And again, this looks different in different seasons. Like maybe when you're in high school or you're in uni and you may feel like, actually, I don't really have much money at all. And you sort of might think, well, I can't be generous. I have to wait till I have a full-time job and I've got an income. And, well, no, it's just saying whatever season we're in. It's not about how much money or how much time. That's, that's not the point. The point is, with what we've got, how can we be generous? And it will look different. Maybe when, when you have a family, a young family, or maybe I was talking to people in the morning service this morning who are retired, and, and like, that will look different. The point is not what it looks like. The point is not how much. The point is a heart that is generous, that says, how can I trust you, God? How can I invest? How can I focus on your kingdom and reflect your love? So the issue is the heart. It's interesting because Jesus is talking about wealth and he's doing it because someone asked him a question just before in chapter 12. And this question is coming from a person who wants more money and is almost demanding it and even coming to Jesus and expecting Jesus to agree with him. This is from Luke 12. There's someone from the crowd called out to Jesus, teacher, please tell my brother to divide the, our father's estate with me. So this, this man, his father's died and there's some argument with his brother about who gets his dad's money. And, and he goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you need to make sure my brother gives me my share of the money. And this guy, maybe that, that probably sounds fair in some ways, but Jesus is not interested. <laughs> he says this, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he goes on and tells a story, particularly about this idea. Life is not measured by how much you own. 
Your value is not how much money you have or how much stuff you have or how cool it is. It's not in possessions. But Jesus tells a story about a guy who we might think was very, very successful, who, who sort of won at life, who probably is a lot of people's dream like guy they want to be like in some ways. This, this very rich man. Jesus tells this story. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm, so he's a farmer, that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, so this, this guy's farming, he's got all these crops. Just think of a guy who's just all of a sudden got all this money, just all this wealth. He says, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Like a lot of people, that sounds like the dream. Right? Like you've done a bit of work, you earn a stack load of money, and now you never have to work again. And you just sit back, enjoy life, do whatever you want. Just, just you have it made. That, like so many people, that's their goal in life. This guy seems like a huge success. But Jesus says in this story, God said to the man, this rich man, God calls him a fool. You fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. This guy's got it all set, and then he dies. And it's gone. Everything that he'd worked for, he says, I'm set for life now, but no, actually God says, you've got it all wrong. You've got completely the wrong priorities. And actually you miss the thing that was most important, which was God and this trusting, resting, generous Focus on his kingdom relationship that, that, that we can have with him. And this guy, again, looks like a huge success, but it's not. The message translates this last one. This is what happens when you fill your barns with self and not with God. Again, we don't want to get the wrong idea. Jesus is not saying it's wrong to have possessions. He's not saying it's wrong to have stuff because people who follow Jesus in the New Testament had possessions. They had Houses and they had things they used for his kingdom. And Jesus is not saying that money is evil. And he's not saying that it's wrong to be rich. Again, this commands the New Testament to people who were rich to use their wealth for God's kingdom. It's not wrong at all to be rich. But this guy's not just rich. He's also selfish. He's focused on himself. And he's using his riches for himself rather than for God. We see it even in the way he talks. He says, I know I'll tear down my barns. He says, all this stuff is mine. I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough to store my wheat. I'll sit back, I'll say to myself, take it easy. This is all my stuff that I've worked hard for, that I've looked after, that it's all for me. That's this guy's heart. Jesus is not saying it's wrong for him to have stuff, but he's not generous. His stuff is just pulled into himself. Rather than actually saying, hang on, what can I use this for? How can I bless? How can I serve? How can I advance God's kingdom? with what he's given to me. So this guy might look like a success, but in God's eyes, misses it. God calls him a fool. He's got it completely wrong. And it's interesting, because then later on in Luke, in chapter 21, Jesus tells another story about a lady, a woman, who we might think is a complete failure. 
or is maybe not a failure, but just sort of we're not really interested in him. No one really wants to be like her or dreams about that. She's not, she doesn't have the dream life. She's, she's a widow. Her husband's passed away. She's quite old, and she's very, very poor. And we kind of might think, well, what's she got to offer? How's she really going to serve God? Like, like we don't, maybe we don't think we want to be like her. But Jesus sees her. And it says this in Luke 21. Jesus looked up and he saw rich people putting their gifts into the temple treasury. So there's a temple, it's like an offering, and there's all these rich people putting in all this money. And he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. This old lady comes to give her money. It's two, like, cents or something. It's like barely anything. This tiny amount of money. Nobody notices, nobody's interested, nobody cares. But Jesus sees her. And then Jesus says to everyone, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And again, we might hear that. We're like, that's, well, that's, that wasn't very smart. Like, if that's all you've got to live on, why would you give it away? Like, but Jesus sees her as a woman who trusts God's provision, who is focused on his kingdom, who is fully generous and offers everything, even risks everything for God. Even though nobody even sees, nobody cares, but he cares, he sees. And this woman is actually a complete success in the kingdom. Jesus holds her up as an example of someone who is more generous than all those rich people that are just sort of putting in a little bit of extra money. It doesn't impact them at all. Whereas this woman doesn't have much, but she puts in everything, and it costs her everything. And Jesus said, she's the one who's the most generous. So you see, it's not about amount. It's, it's about a heart posture of actually, what does it look like to sow into his kingdom? And again, we might sort of think, well, well no, we, sh- we should keep some, because if you give everything away, then you've got nothing else to give. And, and there's some wisdom in that, that we need to be stewards of what God's given us. And he's not just saying to everyone, go sell everything. And he, he, he might, say, might say that, but that, that's not the point. The point is that we, give, we offer it all to him, and we, we use it best for his kingdom, whatever that looks like. But maybe there might be a time when he says, actually, just give it all. Actually, offer it all which maybe sounds crazy, but is actually what he did. There's this verse in in 2 Corinthians that describes Jesus as someone who was very rich, who gave up everything. He didn't give a bit of the leftover. He didn't give what didn't cost him. He gave so much that he became poor. It says this in 2 Corinthians, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus is the most generous, the richest person, who in some ways became the poorest, who went to the bottom of the bottom, to, to, to death on a cross, so that we could become rich. And he offers us this gift of himself and his forgiveness and his love. And we get him. Like, we get Jesus. We get that God that would love us like that. And if we get that, we have everything we need. Like that, 
He is all we need. Like we, we can then, from that spot, offer up all we have to him. Give it all back to him. And trust him with it and say, God, my whole life, all my stuff, all my money, all of it belongs to you anyway. You've made me, you've saved me, you own me, it's all yours. We don't say my barns, my stuff, like, like my, my life. No, we say it's all yours and I'll do whatever you want with it because I have you and that's all I need. And I want to live with a generous heart continually like Jesus, just, just open and giving and trusting in him. So let's, let's stand together and, and we're going to pray and then we're going to sing. Um... Lord, we just ask that, yeah, you would continue to renew our minds to see the world um, the, the way it truly is. God, it doesn't look like the way Jesus has described it often. It doesn't feel like that often. But we ask for faith to see what is invisible, to see what is true, to live trusting you, Lord, to live focused on what you're doing. Give us eyes to see what you're doing. And Father, to, to value what is eternal. And may our treasure be in heaven and God, would you just give us a, a free-flowing heart of generosity, God? Would we be a people of generosity? Would we be a church of generosity? And, and a church of joy in that place. Um, so God, would you even speak to us tonight, Lord? Um, yeah, would we not miss out on that life that you have for us, God? Not a life of just withholding, God. Not a life of self. Not a life that is wasted, that fades. But a life that is eternal. That a life that is about love that a life that lasts forever with you. And God, will we not miss that, but see that and know that? So would you just meet us and guide us um, and speak to us even now, just in our hearts, God, we just pray. Um, and we just thank you, Jesus, that we have you, that you are all we need. And would that reality just come more and more into our hearts, we pray. Amen.